0: This is in the zone your home for salina sports talk high school sports kansas wesleyan and bethany KU K state and wichita state wait is there anything these guys don't cover you're in the zone
1: Is up welcome into in the zone today here on sports radio 1150 Ksal and 106.7 FM I am Jackson Schneider it is Wednesday 6 14 23 we have hit the middle of the summer the middle of the work week and uh, man I tell you what I want to start on kind of a depressing note today. Okay, we're just going to rip the band-aid off, we're going to talk about the Royals, and then we're going to move on with our day. But last night, I made the trip to Kansas City for the first time this spring, this summer, to watch the Kansas City Royals. Unsurprisingly, I was met with a loss for the boys in blue. Uh, which dropped their record to a wonderful mark this season of now 18-49. and 49. Last place in the AL Central. But that's not all. Last place now in the major leagues. The Kansas City Royals, as of last night, they are now The worst team in baseball. And I was there to watch it firsthand last night. And I tell you what, to their credit, it was an entertaining baseball game. It was close. There was a little bit of offense. The pitching was not bad. But the one inning that was bad is what cost the Royals. They gave up five runs in the second inning. Lost five to four. They had chances. They loaded the bases in the seventh. And couldn't do anything with it. But... The Royals, like I said, with them now being the worst team in baseball record wise, what does that make the Oakland A's? Because the Oakland A's have been the laughing stock of baseball for the last year or two. They've been not hiding the fact that they, you know, were pretty much tanking. They want to be low, they want to get the draft lottery system figured out, they want better draft picks, they want to make it easier for the city of Oakland to basically let them go when their lease expires with their their venue, the Oakland Coliseum. They want to move to Las Vegas. Kansas City Royals are in a similar spot, to a degree. They don't want to leave Kansas City, but they've been discussing the potential of Building a new baseball stadium, a new place in downtown Kansas City. But, obviously, there's been some pushback on that from the Kansas City fan base. Why why would we want to help you with tax dollars to build a new stadium if this team is so bad, right? Well... Again, last night, the Royals became the worst team in baseball because the Oakland A's, who are spiraling out of control in terms of how their organization is handled, have won now eight games in a row. (laughs) And so the Royals are now starting to, rightfully so, catch the wrong kind of publicity. People are starting to take notice of how bad the Royals are despite their youth, their age. This is supposed to be a developmental year anyway. Kind of a restart with a new manager, some changes in the front office, but man, they are terrible. They are terrible, and yet, last night, there were over 10,000 people in attendance, probably mostly because of the giveaway. They did a Royals-themed Basketball jersey, a powder blue basketball jersey that said Kansas City Royals on it, and it had the number 15 on the front and the number 85 on the back for the two World Series that the the team has won, has won in its history. And that was pretty much the highlight of the evening, right? Because the Royals now have lost eight straight games; they have uh, fallen. Like I said, completely off a cliff. They're eighteen and forty-nine. They now have the worst record in baseball, and yet there seems to be no urgency, no no real attitude of like change being necessary within the Royals right now. They've DFA'd a couple of guys. They've brought up some younger guys. It seems like maybe their their I guess strategy for the remainder of this season is to I don't know just continue to stink and be okay with that this year and try to just find the tools that they have that are going to be worth being around in the future and just see what they can build with that? I don't know. But that pretty much means that you're going to get more of the same, more terrible baseball, more losses, just more, 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 more of all the things that fans don't want. But the Oakland A's... They've decided they're going to say something about it. They're going to step up and do something about it. You know, protest, figure out why, you know, the the organization is doing what it's doing and try to say, you know, hey, we want you here. We want you to get better. We want to embrace this team. We love them, despite how bad they've been. You know, they they held one of the more interesting spectacles in baseball last night. Because it's no sh- no secret, right? that the A's have had terrible attendance, as most bad teams do, because why pay for tickets to watch a bad team if they're bad? Like There are better things you can do with your day. You can read a book. You can go for a walk, play golf for crying out loud, watch a movie. I don't know. But they decided to prove that the fan support was not the problem in Oakland because that's been argued that they, you know, they haven't been getting good fan response. The attendance has been bad, so they don't make any money, which means that they don't you know spend money. They don't try to make the team better by signing better players. Well, the fan base in Oakland decided last night they were going to hold a reverse boycott to prove that they were not the problem. The fans were not the problem. So they packed the Oakland Coliseum with 27,000 fans on a random Tuesday night. And they won. <laughs> the place was an electric atmosphere. What it, What is good about teams like Oakland and teams like Kansas City when they are strong? The atmosphere is unmatched. They were chanting audibly throughout the course of the game, you know, sell the team. They want to get rid of the current ownership and keep. You know, find someone new to keep them in Oakland and, and make it stronger and better, all that stuff. But the Royals seems like there's just this attitude of, it is what it is. You know, there's not a lot we can do about it. This is what we've got. we got to make the most of it. You know, whatever. So be it. And it's a little bit sad because last night for me it was tough. I used to love going to the Royals games. I used to go multiple times a summer. There was a year even where my dad, I convinced him to get like a half season ticket package where we went to literally 40 games. Half of the Royals home games one season. I lived at that ballpark practically. And now I couldn't care less. Like last night, I was not excited. I'd, I've never gone to a Royals game and not been excited to be there. But I knew what was waiting for me. You know, bad baseball team. That's not a lot to get excited for. There were very few fun, highlight-worthy moments. There was a nice catch by MJ Melendez and a home run from Bobby Witt Jr. A couple of base hits here and there. Other than that, hey, I got a Royals-themed basketball jersey. My point for this is something needs to change, okay? It can't be okay to just sit here and accept the fact that the Royals are the worst team in baseball. I realize that sometimes that happens, you know? Good good teams happen, bad teams happen. Someone's got to be the best. Someone also has to be the worst. It sucks when it's your team. But the problem with the Royals is how frequently they are one of, if not the worst team in baseball. And it even goes further this year because the worst Royals team in history has lost like 104 games. And right now, the Royals are now pacing for 118 losses on the season. Maybe more. That would be a historically bad team. I believe the worst team in Major League history only won 47 games. And right now, the Royals are not even pacing to win that many. Something has to change. I don't know. It was, it was crappy. As much as I love a night at the ballpark, as much as I love Dollar Dog Night, as much as I love that I got a Royals-themed basketball jersey, I'd sure as heck love a more competitive baseball team, especially when you consider the fact that the Royals are in last place in the worst division in baseball. The first place Minnesota Twins of the AL Central would be, I'm pretty sure they'd be in last place in the AL East. I'd have to check that math. I don't know where the standings sit right now, but I know that the the last place team in the AL East is nipping on the heels of the best team in the AL Central. And even with that just absolute garbage heap of a division, the Royals are far and away the worst team in that division. Something's got to change. It stinks. I did not enjoy uh, that aspect of the baseball game. But hey, you know, it was still a fun night. I got to spend time with my girlfriend in a fun environment for the most part, despite the outcome, I guess. So I should count my blessings, I suppose. But just uh, never, never really fun. When that's your team, right? When you're you're the the big loser of the league. But uh, hopefully the Royals can turn it around. I am not so optimistic. But we got to get to our break. We got some NFL audio to get to next here on in the zone. Alibi! back to in the zone here on sports radio 1150 ksal nfl mini camps going on this week so we've gotten some more audio in over the last few days and uh Earlier yesterday, a couple of different Chiefs players sat down with the media just for a little bit to kind of check in, see how things were going. Uh, So I've got a couple different pieces of audio for you for the Kansas City Chiefs. The first here being George Karloftis, who really burst on the scene at the end of last year, uh, kind of. Catching on as a rookie, figuring things out on the defensive line. Big future ahead for him and a uh, very important position group for the Kansas City Chiefs on defense. This kid, kind of the future right now and um, not really sure what's going on with the whole Chris Jones situation. He's going into the last year of his contract and I'm sure he wants to get that worked out. So he has not been at minicamp yet for the Chiefs. I don't think there's a ton of reason to be concerned there, uh, but... um, If for whatever reason that falls apart, here's your future at that position. So here's George Karloftis from Kansas City Chiefs minicamp.
2: Yeah, you know, just during the offseason you have some time off and then you kind of get to thinking about – you know, different th- stuff and how you can improve going into your second year, going into the next year. And, you know, just uh, I knew there were some Chiefs players and guys that have been a part of the organization that live in town. I just reached out to him just to get some knowledge, and it turned out to, to be a great relationship. And uh, he's been a great mentor and a, and a great person to me.
0: Something we talked to you a lot about last year
1: Frank and his impact on you. Uh, what were those conversations like just, you know, saying goodbye from a team-wise and
2: just what he meant to you? Yeah, I mean, I, I love Frank. You know, he, he meant he meant the world to me. You know, and I, everybody on this team that, that was a part of him. You know, he's a great, great person. You know, at the end of the day, he got to do what he got to do. You know, it's a, that's his business. But um, I, I love him, man. He just taught me so much that I'll take not only uh, with me forward as, as a professional football player, but in life too. George, are there
0: some in the things Thompson. you're working on this season? Sorry. Are there some things you're working on this off
2: season in particular as opposed to just kind of general improvement? Yeah, just you know, I think the general improvement's a big one, you know, really trying to focus on the little things, you know, the mental aspect, the mental side of the game, you know, you can never get too too good at that, you know, the details, the fundamentals and really getting bigger, faster, stronger and you know, trying to hit it from every angle.
1: How much better do you feel about your knowledge of being a national football league player right now than you did a year ago heading to this Mandatory
2: yeah, I mean playing playing 20 games, having that experience, and being around guys like Chris, like Frank, like Carlos, and all the other guys in the room. You know, this that helps you out. You know, and I learned a lot this past season. I'm ready to take that with me uh, going forward.
1: Was there a spot last year where like things clicked for you? Was it off season or in season anywhere? I I don't
2: know. I couldn't pin point, pin, pin down one specific spot. You know, I started feeling good towards the end of the year, going to the playoffs, and uh, you know, hoping to carry that over.
1: Do you, do you feel like when you look back at that final stretch, we had nap sacks in the last seven games? Was it simply a matter of getting home finally, or was there anything in
2: particular? Just, you just kind of start to figure it out eventually. You know, it starts to click. Um, you know, you you have conversations, and it, it happens at a different time for everyone. You know, and uh, you know, times it got frustrating. You know, but uh, you just you just keep going. You just keep going forward and put your best foot forward. And uh, yeah.
0: George, there were a lot
2: of first times for you this past season. in the Super Bowl, then you got to go to the White House. Talk about that experience, to going to the White House. Yeah, it was all right, you know. No, I'm just kidding. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, I mean, it's been it's been amazing, you know, from from getting drafted in the first round, you know, to the to the best organization in the league, you know, just to to going on having a pretty good rookie year, and then winning the Super Bowl, going to the White House, and everything that comes with that. I mean, it's been a, it's been a blessing, man. I'm 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 you know I'm, I'm blessed truly. What are your thoughts, uh, what you've seen so far, Felix, the first round draft? Page. He's been great, man. He's been a little banged up, but he's, you know, he's a student of the game. You know, he's, he he's hasn't been on the field a whole lot just because of, you know, whatever. But, um, you know, he's been able to soak everything up. He's men, mentally, he's pretty good. And, uh, you know, I think he's going to have a bright future here.
1: Again, that was George Karloftis, Kansas City Chiefs defensive lineman, as, uh, you know, O, uh, the OTAs are passed. Now we're in mini camp. The next stage is then getting ready for training camp, the full training camp. But this is uh, just kind of the. Tip of the iceberg as it relates to getting ready for football season. They get a little bit more time to work on some certain things, but uh, just a little bit of media time for each player. But uh, we got one defensive player there in George Karloftis. Now let's flip to another interesting guy. This one on the offensive side of the ball. He was a first-round draft pick a couple of years ago out of LSU. It's Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, Chiefs running back, who got off to a pretty good start last year and was scoring touchdowns left and right, but then he got injured and didn't play for a good chunk of the rest of the season, and that was when Isaiah Pacheco kind of burst onto the scene. So let's pick uh, up with this audio here from, again, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, Kansas City Chiefs running back, and uh, see where he's at these days, both in terms of getting healthy and uh, getting back on track as a Kansas City Chiefs weapon offensively.
0: Um, You know, just like every year, I know... Uh... It's year after year, I can't think two years ahead uh, from now or the position that I would be in 12 months from now when I know I have still had the rest of OTAs and, uh, and camp. So um, it was really just coming in and, and figure out and see the things that I could work on. And from that point, just kind of roll with it during camp.
1: How does that actually work you know, with you guys? that they, they just tell your agent, hey, we're not gonna pick up the option, they call you. How does the, the,
0: the logistics of that actually go? They called my agent and um I was pretty much the gist of it. I kinda it was off season during camp and everything else was just kinda online. Like I'm really not a, a big online Twitter guy, so it was just kinda just hopping online and then you get a call that's about it. Oh, I mean, yeah, yeah, most definitely. I just just it's one of those things. That, but it's also it's it's two years from now. So it's one of those like I know what I have to do in order to, you know, get on the field and do the things that I need to do this year um but as far as focusing on something two years from now I can't I can't tell you know what would be the motivation and or if it's just something with you know how to how to dice roll and they figure out you know money wise why try to you know put all our eggs in one basket for two years from now not knowing what's happening on the on the back end so it's football what was
1: last year like for you given the fact that you got hurt again and you lost some of your
0: playing time? What, what, what was last season like for you? Um, I would say, I wouldn't even really, really say a, a roller coaster. I would just say experiences, man. It's uh, just, just. La- I mean, I wouldn't even say it was It was some of the hardest things. It was just you you go through something, you figure it out. Um, and just like my dad said, so man, him being in the Marines and and kind of being a narcotics police officer, you kind of, you you hound in on the thing that's, that's as far as what you need to focus on and then you go at that. You can't, you can't really, you know, shoot for the stars if you ain't if, if you're not aiming for, you know, the things in order to get to get to the stars. So you gotta go through some planets and some other things in order to get to where you're trying to go. So I mean it was it was it was some things, some trials and tribulations throughout that time, but it was never just I was just like kinda down and out. I was doing the things I needed to do. Um in the building outside the building and uh in order to get in the position that, that I am today as far well, as you, practicing. You mentioned,
3: you mentioned planning.
0: Do you, you've had a couple of injuries while you've been in the league, but do you look at off season and say, all right, I need to train differently or I need to eat differently or how does that work for you? Oh yeah, that's, um as far as a professional athlete, I feel like that's something you should do every year. That's not a, I mean, every, if if someone says they has all, everything you know figured out, you know every 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 I dotted and, and every T crossed, um, I will I will say they're a lie because it's just it's just one of those things. You could be the top of your game. Um, I mean, I, I could say you can ask Patrick Mahomes the same question. Uh, you know, I would say the greatest player, you know, in, in, in the league right now. And he would say, yeah, I, I'm going to work on some stuff in the offseason. So um, and and me not being as far as in the same position that, that he was, obviously, uh, you do things, you, you figure it out and you work on the things that you feel. And or if somebody else is watching, um, you see if, if it's somebody that's, has a valid uh, a valid point, you know, like Kevin Faulk. Uh, when I was talking to him, I hound in with him, go back home, talk to him, and those, you know, when it's valuable conversations and when it's people who've been in position, played in Super Bowls, played the position, those are the guys who I listen to. What you as far as well, I mean, it's it's. I, I grew up I grew up in Lafayette, Louisiana. I mean, as far as in Louisiana, so and he was my coach in college, so we can as far as the, the, the conversation it was days, multiple days. So, um it's it's really just we worked on some of the things that, that I kinda that we did in college, um, and really just be me. I mean, I can't sit here and pinpoint and tell you everything that we talked about. It'd be would be his sitting talking, but um it's one of those things that he knows as a as a person, he knows me personally. And um he's been there with me from freshman year of college all the way throughout this point. So I feel like uh, if it's not, you know, someone like him or Tommy Robinson, who was my my, my running back coach in college, those, I feel like those are the guys who, who kind of know me best and kind of, you know, they, they watched who I was in college, figured out who I was throughout that time. They watched me in high school because, you know, they were the guys recruiting me, coming in and they kind of give me pinpoints here and there and then we, we figure it out and we work on it. Well, I, I, have, I, have, I have two questions. Um, how close were you to to, to playing in the Super how close did you feel like you were capable of maybe contributing on the field? Um, I practiced that week, the whole week. Um, I played receiver that week. I played the Z and the Zebra. Uh, pretty much pretty much played uh, the, every position, with the exception of quarterback and O-line, um, throughout practicing um, with, through that week. So I was in my mind uh, kind of thinking that I would, I, I mean, got activated. I am say like Tuesday or Wednesday of that week, I really don't know um, but I mean initially it was just going out there didn't- didn't think I was playing, so started practicing coach kind of told me figure some things out as far as you know if you know the playbook, the only guy that i would you know I would trust to go out here and try to learn those not, I wouldn't even say learn, but you know the playbook, so in order to keep everything um going smooth for the biggest game of the year um. Why not have you go out there, play receiver, keep everything rolling and if you're doing that for us on the offense and you know, I also did scout team. I was Devontae Smith, um, for scout team on, on, on def uh, for the defense. So, um I did everything that I needed to do in order for us to win that game. And that's just uh which just what it was. Like they called my number and I was out there.
1: That's not all the NFL audio we have for you, though. Don't you worry. Let's flip to the other side of the AFC West and check in with the Denver Broncos as their star wide receiver Jerry Judy met with the media earlier today. So uh, let's check back in with them and see how things are going for the Denver Broncos as they begin their mandatory minicamps as well.
3: Um, Just the different alignments, you know, uh you know, the alignments really help us with our different varied. Vari- I can't even say the word of route running and stuff like that. Just it just help us not get a help us help the defense not get a, a jump on us just by our linemen and stuff like that. So that's that's really big. You know, it, it's great just having Tim back here, back out there, you know, just just him, his energy, um, the the big playmaker ability he have and just just having another great receiver out there with you, you know, so it's a a, a big deal just having him back out there. It's good. What, what was different between Russell this year and the last year? In um general? you know, Russell still got the same work that I think he had, you know, his whole his whole career, you know, he probably just slimmed down a little bit. Other than that, you know, Russ is still being Russ. You done with trade rumors this off season, and you end up picking up your options? How was that? And how gratifying was it to see that you know they want you? No, you know it. It's it always good to be be wanted, you know. But um, I'm also glad I'm a Denver Bronco and that, that I'm here now. Some of the practices we have watched,
1: we've seen Sean Payton working with you one on one. You know, what type of instruction is he giving you, and kind of what type of
3: uh he he just made on um, just telling me about my routes and stuff, just gave me the details and fundamentals so I could even be better in my route and cause more separation. So just a little detail depending on the routes and stuff like that for real. Have you gone back and watched Saints tape the last
1: fifteen years and
3: picked out any receivers that were doing things similar that you think you can do? Yeah, I watched all all Michael Thomas um tape since twenty seventeen to to um I got all his all his tapes for real, so I just been watching it. You know, I'm a film, film junkie. I just like watching guys and seeing how he how he played in our offense and see all the great things he did and see if I could steal some things that it to my game. some similarities to it. way you right around yeah. right? mm-hmm.
0: he's, You know, he's known as a really great route but are There's similarities, to think.
3: Yeah, he he's a great right runner. I mean, he did some some some, some, some things that I see myself doing. Um, you know, he's a he side guy to watch, uh, and I love watching him. Back to picking up your option, did you kind of expect it would be, or did it kind of go down to the wire? Maybe you didn't know didn't last night. Yeah, you man. <laughs> I I really didn't know. You know, um, I wasn't thinking about it too much. You know, I just was hopefully I I'll be here and glad they did pick up the fifth year. What you after you came
0: back. From
3: last six games of the year where you really came on? I'll probably say, you know, I feel I was just getting put in a good positions. Um, Everything was just being executed, right? You know, everybody was doing their job at the time. You know, when it comes to football, there's a lot of things that the fans and other people don't see like with the line blocking or quarterback making a different read or stuff like that. And I feel like everything was just in sync and that's what caused a success in the last couple of games. Do you go into the off season saying, you "Now we got to do it, we got to put it together for 17? Oh, yeah, of course, of course. You know, I want to um, finish off the, you know, start off the season just how I finished it. So, yeah.
1: How are Sean and Nick Saban alike, and how are they
3: different from your experience? Um... I mean, they never complacent. Uh, they're great coaches and they're great leaders also. So that's the si- similar they got, but um, si- similarity they got. But um, I say Coach Payne is just a little bit more funnier. <laughs> yeah. You had, you had Zach got in the room. That was the one coach you Uh, he he a great position coach. You know, he taught me a lot. You know, he's a former um, NFL player, so he knows what he's be talking about and stuff like that. So uh, I learned a lot coming from him. what are your early impressions of Riley Moss? Riley Moss, you know, you uh, try to be funny, but uh, Joey said the other day, you yeah, know, but now nah, he he doing his thing. He he a great, <laughs> he, he, he a great. Um, he good. He got he moved fluent. Got good hips. Um, you know, he pretty good. You know, his third year, yeah. considered one of the best players in the NFL, certainly his position. You know, and what makes him so special? What is the ceiling for this guy? Um, just how smart he is. You know, just understanding uh right route, route concepts and stuff like that. Being in the right position all the time. Just his length, his makeup, speed. He just got all the attributes as a for a corner. It benefits me a lot because there's no other guy like Pat. So going against the best DB in the NFL, you know, you get you get a lot better, and you know you understand things to to beat DBs. And ain't no DBs that that's up there to Pat in my opinion. So mm-hmm. it's just gonna make the game a lot more easier. Yeah, I feel like uh, it's it's a lot more fast than just getting it in and out of the huddle. You know, the tempo, of just making sure we line up as fast as possible, getting the um, formation, get, scanning the defense, and just understanding our assignment as fast as possible, for real. You're
1: asking Pat and Justin,
3: South Florida guys, if they're to like, eat your nuggets, they both said nuggets. So, will you split it all your loyalties? Uh, you know, I'm, I'm in Denver, so I'm going to have to go with the nuggets, you feel me? So, yeah.
1: of the show today here on in the zone on sports radio 1150 KSAL 106.7 as well on the FM dial and uh, I wanted to do something fun to end the show today. I wanted to do a like a Mount Rushmore or a fun topic of discussion just to like kind of relax and have a little fun. It wasn't really a big news day around here uh until just a little bit ago. But now we can't do that. We've got headlines that we got to get to. A couple of things dropped here in the last few minutes um, that I have to address. And we talked a little bit about the Royals, and I got on my soapbox about how the Royals are a hapless organization with no end in sight to the doom that is, you know, Royals baseball. And the good news is. It can always get worse, and it in fact did for the Kansas City Royals as they announced that Vinny Pasquantino will need so- shoulder surgery for a torn labrum, and he will likely miss the rest of the season. So, your worst team in baseball, the 18-49 and 49 Kansas City Royals, now for sure are without their best, one of their best young players um, for the rest of this year. Uh, because of this torn labrum so again he will undergo surgery as announced by the Royals he's been on the the injured list uh, for the last few days after he got injured against the Orioles on June 9th so it's been about five days uh, and, and it's it's an injury that Pasquantino has dealt with before which is concerning it's kind of a, uh, a repetitive thing but he missed three weeks last year with the same soreness but an MRI this year showed that Pasquantino will definitely need surgery. So the 25-year-old who made his much-anticipated debut last year had produced the two forty seven batting average this season with nine home runs and 26 RBIs in 61 games this year. And now the Royals will have to find offense elsewhere, which at this point seems to be... Not Pretty much non existent uh, elsewhere. Nick Prado does what he can, I guess, but it's not Vinny Pasquantino. And um, just things going from worse to even worse. Might have to make up a new word, like worser, wor- even worser than that. I don't know, but it's bad, it's dire. Matter of fact, for the Royals now, uh, as they will be without Vinny Pasquantino for likely the rest of the season. I guess you can hope for a speedy recovery. and Maybe he'd get back, but I, at this point, I don't think you'd want him back. I mean, the season is lost. They're 18-49. and 49. Even if you could get him back for a few games in September and October, What's the point? You might as well rest and make sure he takes his time in his recovery and is good to go for next season for hopefully what would be a better campaign. But uh, that is headline number one. Headline number two comes to you all the way from Topeka and the Kansas State High School Activities Association who announced – Earlier this afternoon, that the 2024 Class 1A Division I State Basketball Championships are heading out west to the Colby Event Center March 6th to the 9th of 2024. While the Class 2A tournament will be completed at the United Wireless Arena at Dodge City, that was previously where 1A D1 was in the past few years, but 2A had been in Manhattan at Bramlage Coliseum. So they're making a few changes to the sites. Uh, They did say that Acacia maintains a very strong relationship with Visit Manhattan and Kansas State University, but this year's uh, final week of the Big 12 Conference regular season schedule for Kansas State men's and women's basketball conflicts with the state basketball championships. K-State did express desire to host a game for one or both of their basketball teams, uh, should that arise. You know, if if they get given the option to have the home a home game that week, they would prefer that. So not not a you know a problem. An, an understandable uh, change there, which means that K-State was unavailable, so they had to shift some things around and. Um, According to the release put out by the KSHSAA, uh reads, quote, After conversations with many around the state, the Colby Event Center is the best facility to host a state basketball tournament in 2024 as we work through the 2024 season with Bramlage Coliseum not being an option. That's from Kyle Doperalski, the exec- assistant executive director of the Kansas State High School Activities Association how uh, the quote continues that the city of colby along with its event center staff will do a marvelous job in hosting a state tournament for our athletes coaches and fans to enjoy the facility has been in operation for 2 years and boasts a lot of features and amenities our teams and fans will appreciate and will make a perfect fit for class 1 uh, 1A D1 state tournament dodge city will continue its tradition of top notch event management providing class 2 1A or excuse me class 2A if I could read, a uh, championship-level experience in United Wireless Arena. So, there you have it. The brand-new Colby Event Center, which was opened in 2021. It was constructed from 2019 through COVID in 2020, um, which plays host to Colby Community College, events and uh, Colby High School events, along with the Orange and Black Basketball Tournament and several other events and concerts year-round. It'll be their first time hosting the state basketball championships, not only in that venue, but it'll be the first time ever that the Oasis on the Plains get to host a state basketball tournament of any kind. So very exciting there. Um, And again, United Wireless Arena has hosted many events since 2015, including uh, state basketball championships for 1A-D1 last year, as well as the 2A and 1A-D1 state volleyball championships over the past four seasons. The full listing of all of the state sites will be 1A-D2, staying in Great Bend at Barton Community College, 1A-D1, as mentioned, at the Colby Event Center in Colby, 2A at Dodge City's United Wireless Arena, And then pretty much everything from 3A through 6A remains unchanged from what it's been the last few years. So 3A will be in Hutch at the Hutchinson Sports Arena, 4A right here in Salina at Tony's Pizza Event Center, 5A in Emporia at White Auditorium, and 6A at Wichita State's Coke Arena. So that's a uh, an update on state basketball sites over uh, what was announced earlier this afternoon from the KSHSAA. I think it's a great move. I think it makes sense as well. You want to? I think you need to move events around the state a little bit. I, and I know. Um, that the state has kind of set locations for certain classifications. And it took a, a scheduling conflict to result in some of the changes to the calendar this year. Like um, the state wrestling sites were moved a little bit. Like the 3 uh, 2 1A wrestling is not going to be at Gross Coliseum in Hayes this year. It's going to move here to Salina. That was because of Fort Hayes State's basketball schedule as well. So similar thing, forcing a change in site, but I think it's good. I think that this is something that Keisha needs to do more often. I think that sites should rotate a little bit um, when you look at events like this because as nice as it is to have like the iconic venues that the state of Kansas has and how 5A is always in, in Emporia and 6A is always in Wichita, what have you, I think you you ought to rotate it around a little bit, get to some more fun locations. I think uh, Topeka would be fine. There's not only there's is there Washburn, but they have their um, you know the Expo Center, and then there's also several other places around the state like Pittsburgh that could do it, and other sites around the place. Like you could just move them around because. I just think it makes it more fun. You get to go experience new places. Teams uh, from all over the place get to go to state. And, you know, it doesn't always have to be the same location. I think it'd be fun to move things around. I love that Salina gets to host an event. But maybe every once in a while it's 3A or 2A here in Salina. Or maybe you move a 5A tournament here to Salina. Like rotate those around you could use the same sites but just I think switching up the classification and who plays where would spice things up a little bit I don't know that's just that's my thoughts and you know I may be a spoiled media member but I've gotten to go and see tournaments at different places I've seen 3A in Hutch I've seen 4A here in Salina I've seen 5A in Emporia 6A in Wichita Uh, I've done a lot of different things but I want to know what those environments, which are always top-notch, the attendance is always fantastic, the environment is always an awesome setting for high school basketball state championships. But I want to know you know, what it would look like if you kind of shifted those things around and you, you moved to, you know, instead of having 1A D1 have to be in Dodge City every year like it has been the last several Move them to a new place. Colby is great. They've never held a state championship for basketball ever before. I can almost guarantee you the attendance is going to be fantastic. It's going to draw not only the the fans of people who are in the communities participating in the tournament, but it's also going to draw people just in Colby or people in those surrounding communities like Atwood and Tribune and, and Sharon Springs and Goodland and Quinter, every, like everybody out there, St. Francis, there's tons of great communities that love their sports. Like now they get a chance in a more drivable distance to go and watch one of the great spectacles of high school sports in Kansas. I think it's an awesome move, and I think that the state would benefit from rotating sites a little bit, get some new tourism in different places. I think it'd be fun. Maybe, just maybe. This is the first domino in doing something like that. But a uh, very fun note for me to see. I-, I hope you enjoyed it. You can read more about, you know, that uh, the two things that we discussed here on uh, ksal.com under the sports news tab as we uh Wrap up the show today. We do have Royals baseball on for you. Their coverage will start tonight at 6.30. 7.10 will be the first pitch series finale between the Royals and the Cincinnati Reds. As KC looks to snap out of their now eight-game losing streak and uh, try to find some momentum, despite all of the uh, negativity that I, myself, among several others across the baseball world, are spewing in their direction these days as they have taken over last place in Major League Baseball. But we'll try to spend some more uh, positive, fun energy into the show tomorrow. Hopefully, we'll have some fun with it, uh, get James Wessling in here, and maybe just enjoy what should be a fun Thursday on the show. But again, if, if you mean missed anything uh, yesterday or today, check Spotify. at KS, uh, In the Zone on KSAL is what you have to search there, and you can uh, check it all out. But in the meantime, I've been Jackson Schneider, and again, this has been In the Zone on Sports Radio, 1150 KSAL and 106.7 FM.